Welcome back to your seats, everybody. I saw Troy dancing back there in the back, and I, I was wanting to dance, but I heard at 40 my dancing card was taken away, so I refrained, so spared you guys that, that misery. But um, let's go ahead and uh, worship the Lord with our giving this morning. Has God been good in the area of your finances and resources? I know he's been good to us, and we're so thankful. Uh, we really appreciate your faithfulness in giving to your assembly. It's what keeps the lights on, keeps our pastors paid. And uh, we, we have a child support program here. It's, uh, it's for our pastors and feeds their kids. So thank you for, for being part of that. And uh, we really appreciate your faithfulness. This week, we're going to be sending out the contribution statement. So if you uh, uh, don't get that by the end of the week, uh, we maybe don't have your correct address. So just call the church office, and we'd be happy to, to get you a your statement to you. So let's go ahead and pray, and then the ushers will receive the offering. Lord, we're so thankful for your faithfulness to us. God, I was thinking this morning how thankful I am for the guys who uh, fix our heating systems and keep our furnaces and boilers running and the people who unfreeze the pipes, thaw pipes, and do all that stuff. Lord, we're just so thankful for them. I pray that you'll bless them in this season. I'm sure they're thankful for this cold, and uh, we pray that you'll bless their businesses and uh, bless them, Lord. Lord, we pray that you'll bless all the people and the resource needs of our assembly today. God, for people who are looking to sell or buy things, we pray that you'll give wisdom to all for the financial decisions we make, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. The ushers are going to receive the offering, and uh, as Pastor Kent mentioned, he's in Bangkok, and so uh, we're a little jealous of him. It's like a 100-degree difference than the temperature here, uh, but I'm sure they're enjoying the heat. Uh, but because he's there, we get the privilege of having our network business administrator share the Word of God with us today. And so uh, Pastor Brad is here, and uh, many of you might know him as uh, the dad of Judah, our youth pastor, uh, father-in-law of Danae, uh, and so we're really glad that Brad's here to share the word of God with us. So would you please uh, join me in welcoming Brad as he comes and shares with us today. All right, thanks, Brian. Good morning. morning. Yes, around here, I'm I'm often uh, Jordan, Judah, and Bethany's dad. So it's a a pleasure to be here with you this morning. And thanks to Pastor Kent and uh, to Brian for the opportunity. So um, what I'm actually talking to you about this morning is actually a part two. Part one I gave back in July of 2019. Okay, so uh, I talked to you back in July about how we can reflect God's uh, generosity. And so today what I'd like to talk to you about is kind of a part two of that series. And it's about how we can reflect God's faithfulness. And so uh, before we get started, I'd like to just remind us a little bit from last time about what it means to reflect God. So uh, let's start off by praying. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is powerful, and we invite your presence to continue to be with us, that you open up our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to each one of us, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. 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 So I want to talk to you just briefly, a little review from last time. How many of you remember back in July? Oh, Brian's the only one. That's pretty impressive. So uh, Romans 1.20, we know that God's glory is reflected in creation. Romans 1.20 says this, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So when we go out and we enjoy God's creation, we can marvel at the, at the beauty and the majesty of all the mountains and the trees and the bears and the moose and everything that we see out there. However, as, as much as they reflect God's glory... 
there's only one part of creation where it, where it was said that we were, they were made in God's image. You know what that is? It's you and me. The Bible says that you and I are made in God's image. Now, Adam and Eve sinned, and we sinned, and because of that, the image of God was marred in us. However, we know that Jesus came and died on the cross and paid for this, our sins, and because of that, he restored the beautiful image of God in us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 to 18, it says this, But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So we, re- we get to reflect the Lord's glory. Now this word for reflect is interesting. The ESV actually translates it into beholding the, Lord, the Lord's glory. So which is it? Do we reflect or do we behold? And the answer is both. They're inseparable. The Greek word for reflect here is katoptridzo. And it means to reflect in a mirror, contemplate, and behold. And it carries the connotation of looking at something intently. So as we behold something, as we look intently at it, we begin to reflect it. So as we begin to behold the presence of God, the things of God, then we begin to reflect him. So we're being shaped into God's image, and we have the privilege and the responsibility to reflect God to the world around us. So there's going to be a picture up on the screen um, of uh, the harbor in Valdez. And you can see the, uh, the mountains in the background, and then the water is reflecting the mountains there. And, uh, you know, really the goal when you take a picture with a reflection is you want as little ripples in the water as possible because you want to do a good job of reflecting what's back there and um, the actual image of what you're reflecting. And in the same way, when we reflect God's image, um, I don't know about you, I want to have as little ripples in my life as possible so that I can, as much as I can, I can reflect who God is to the world around me. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways that we can do a better job of reflecting uh, God's image. We can spend time in His Word. We can pray. But one of the things I want to really hone in on today is that we can more accurately represent and reflect God when we study His attributes. I think that sometimes we can do a poor job of reflecting God because we have a poor image of who God is, and therefore we don't reflect Him properly. So today we're going to study God's faithfulness. <clears throat> I'm really excited about this and feel like the Lord has a word for us. So, so first, before we get into this, I want to look at kind of some definitions and really what does faithfulness mean when we look at it in Scripture. And to do that, we're going to look at a few words. Uh, the first uh, Hebrew word I want to look at is emet. And, uh, and when you look at how emet is translated in the scriptures, uh, this is the range of meaning it has. Uh, truth, it can be translated as truth or true. Constancy, firmness, duration, trustworthiness, or faithfulness. About half the time it's translated into faithful or faithfulness. Uh, some examples uh, where it's used in the scripture, I'll give you a few of them. Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger 
and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And that word for faithfulness is emet. Now, aren't you thankful that God's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness? Amen. Another one is in Psalms 26, 3. It says, for the steadfast love, for your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. I mean, aren't you thankful that we get to walk in God's faithfulness? We don't have to walk in some kind of chaos. We can walk in God's faithfulness. Another one from 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 28 says, And now, O Lord, you are God, and your words are true. That word for true is the Emmet word. And you have promised this good thing to your servant. So we know that God's words are true, that he speaks to us. And then one more dealing with this word emet. It's in uh, Psalm 40, verse 11. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. God's faithfulness is going to preserve us. So another word I want to look at is emudah. That's kind of a fun word to say, huh? Emudah. It's another Hebrew word. And, this, and it means honesty, steadfastness, trustworthiness, and faithfulness. And one of the places it's used is, is in Psalms 33, 4. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. God's work is all done in faithfulness. The last word I want to look at, um, this is a Greek word, pistos, and it means reliable, faithful, and believing. And um, where, where, it's looked, where I want to look at here is Luke chapter 19, verse 17. And he said to him, well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. So these are some of the meetings that we're looking at um, having to do with faithfulness. So if we kind of expand out into all the different ways this is used, we can uh, kind of come up with a definition that includes these words. uh, Reliability, duration, honesty, believing, firmness, trustworthiness, steadfastness, constancy, and truth. So simply put, God doesn't change his nature. He doesn't change his mind. If God promises something, you can take it to the bank. His word is true. So I want to kind of get into looking at a few different ways that we can see God's faithfulness being demonstrated. First of all, we know that um, our creation reflects our nature of who we are. For example, if you were to buy a piece of furniture and you wanted a really well-crafted piece of furniture... You would look at, um, you, you would want to buy um, something from someone who really knew what they're doing and it would be really well crafted. And the same way, when God created his, um, when God created the creation, God's faithfulness was inserted into the way that everything was created. It's amazing to me to think about that thousands of years ago, however old the earth is, that God set the sun, the moon, and the stars into motion. And even now, however many thousands of years later, we don't know exactly how long it is, but the sun still continues to rise. And I can tell you exactly when the sun's going to rise. Isn't that strange? It's, it's consistent that God built that in. And, and, and for the blank there, we know that uh, all these years is operated consistently. I know the sun's going to rise tomorrow, and I know that it's going to set. It's reliable because the God who hung it in the sky is reliable. I can tell you when low tide will be in Juneau today. I was talking about this with our, our superintendent. And he reminded me that there's actually a geyser in Yellowstone National Park. Do you know what it's called? 
Old Faithful, that's right. Because every 44 minutes to two hours, it's, it spouts off. And uh, people can go there. Can you imagine if it wasn't Old Faithful, if it was Old, like, Unfaithful? And you went there, and you travel all those miles to get there, and, and you just waited and waited and never spouted off? That would be a waste of time, wouldn't it? It's, it's not Old Unfaithful, it's Old Faithful. In the same way, aren't you thankful that God's faithful? That we don't have to sit around wondering if his words are true? Just like old faithful spouts off every so often, we know that God's faithfulness is there. You guys remember about a year faithful? You guys remember about a year ago, the super wolf blood moon? You guys remember that, the lunar eclipse? Yeah? Well, um, that, so just in case you don't know what that is, I won't get too nerdy on you here, but that's when uh, the, the earth comes in between the sun and the moon. And, and it happens just every so often. And so when the conditions are set up perfectly, it only happens during a full moon, then the, the earth actually blocks the light from the sun getting to the moon, and it creates an eclipse over the moon. And, and the way the red light gets there is when the eclipse happens, the rays from the sun come around, come through the atmosphere of the earth, and they bend a little bit towards the moon. And what gives it the red color or the orange color is when there's particles like volcanic ash or different particles in the atmosphere, it filters through that and it puts this reddish glow on the moon. So I thought, this is pretty exciting and I kind of like to take pictures. So I thought, I'm going to travel and I'm, I'm going to um, take a picture of this. So uh, I looked at the forecast and realized it was going to be maybe partly cloudy here in Anchorage. So um, I think you were able to see it in Anchorage, but I thought, I want to get to where I can make sure I can see it. So uh, my daughter Bethany was up for the trip. We drove up to Talkeetna, and we drove out kind of in the middle of nowhere where there was no lights, and we we sat and we watched it. And sure enough, the scientists knew exactly when each phase of the moon was going to hit. There's going to be a picture that will come up. Those are some of the pictures we took. So you can see, like, you know, it's like a quarter, then a half, and it ends up at the... Um, with the blood moon. But what was amazing to me is the scientists knew exactly when each phase was going to happen. You know why? Because God set his universe in order to be faithful and to be reliable. And every minute they knew exactly what was going to happen. And uh, I, thought, I thought that was amazing. The Israelites were very attuned to God's faithfulness in nature. In fact, um, they were also attuned to his provision through nature. Um, they had a, a deep connection to the land. Um, in fact, uh, the agriculture was very important to, to their eating. They had to eat the food and the harvest. And so they knew that God sent the rains. And uh, the rainy season in Israel would go through from October through May. And in October would come the early rains. And the sun had, had baked the ground hard all, all summer long. And so if, if the flood rains would have come then, it would have flooded everything. But God would send the early rain to be able to soften the ground so it could accept the rest of the rain. And they would go through the rainy season, and then the latter rains would come in May and really saturate the ground and prepare it for the harvest. And the Israelites understood God's faithfulness in sending the rain and then preparing the harvest. And they knew that it came from God. They had a connection that everything they had came from God. I think that in our industrialized society, to some degree, we lose a little bit of that. Like if I go through the drive-thru at Taco Bell and get my like, burrito or whatever I'm going to get, sometimes it's hard for us to understand that, that comes from God. Or if we go to the Fred Meyer and buy our bottle of ketchup or whatever the case may be. 
Um, sometimes it's a little harder for us to understand. However, when I talk with some of my brothers and sisters who are living a subsistence lifestyle, oftentimes out in western Alaska or maybe down southeast in some of the different villages, they, ha- they get it. They understand that when they're going out and, and catching their moose or their, or their caribou, I think there's going to be some, yeah, some pictures of some of those guys up there. They know that that comes from God. And they're out and they're gathering their berries and they're getting their whale. And, you know, if, if they're in that, the parts where they, they um, have access to get a whale. And they have a very real understanding that that faithfulness is from God. It demonstrates God's faithfulness to them. I recently heard a Christian leader who say that we uh, didn't need to pray before we eat. You know, you know, it's kind of a tradition that we pray before we eat. And I kind of thought, well, that's, that's interesting. Um, you know, why do we pray before we eat? Is it just a tradition that we don't need to do anymore? No. Um, we pray before we eat because we're giving thanks for the food, right? Um, we, we give thanks for the food. It's, a, it's about acknowledging God's faithfulness for his provision. Um, Jesus and Paul did this, and Paul did it in Acts 27, 35. And when he had said these things, he took bread, and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. So, you know, we, um, I don't want our giving thanks before we eat to just become some kind of rote tr- tradition, like, oh, we got to pray, you know, before we eat. No, we're actually giving thanks. And, and over in Israel, um, uh, many of the people in Israel, before they eat, they'll actually lift their food up to heaven and they'll give thanks. And I love that. So, so let's continue to be thankful, whether you get your food by catching a moose or whether you get it at Fred Meyer or Costco or some other place, let's remember that our, all of our provision comes from God's faithfulness. Amen? I'm thankful for that. So that's a little bit about God's provision through nature but I also want in, in his faithfulness. But I also want to look at a portrait of God's faithfulness from Scripture. There's so many different ones we could look at. But the one I want to take a look at is Abraham and Sarah. Abraham made a covenant or God made a covenant with Abraham. And we see the beginnings of that in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. And he said, And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And then it was reaffirmed in Genesis 15, 5 and 6. He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Now, so there, there was a promise. There was a covenant made. But there was a problem, too, wasn't there? Abraham and Sarah didn't have any kids. But God says your offspring are going to be as numerous as the stars. Now, it says that Abraham believed him. But you know that Abraham and Sarah would have to wait 25 years before they saw the fulfillment of that promise? It's a long time, isn't it? God does then let them know how the promise will be fulfilled. And we see that in Genesis chapter 17, verses 15 to 19. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. I love this. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? 
You got to see the humor in this, right? Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. You shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. So you get this, right? Abraham is 100 years old. Sarah is 90. Now, I don't know about you, but my concept of age has changed a little bit over the years. When I was a real little kid, 40 seems really old, right? 40 seems like like ancient. Brian, I think you just turned 40 a little bit ago, right? So when I was a little kid, you would have been really old. But then when you get a little bit older, you know, 40 doesn't seem as old anymore, especially when you're approaching 40. I'm 46, so 40, that's like really young, Brian. But um, your perception of age changes a little bit, doesn't it? Like, um, all of a sudden, 70 doesn't seem too old anymore. Even 80, my, my dad recently turned 80, and as my parents get older, 80 doesn't seem quite as old. 90, that's getting up there. But 100? That's, I mean, you got your AARP card a long time ago. 100 is, that's getting up there in years. I don't know if you're necessarily thinking about having kids at that point. I don't even want to think about that. So what did Abraham do? Now, let's not judge Abraham too harshly here, right? Abraham actually fell on his face and laughed. He didn't just have a little chuckle like, oh, that's a good one, Lord. No, he, he fell on his face and laughed. He was the first one recorded actually rolling on the floor laughing. Like they say in the text, R-O-T-F-L, Abraham was doing it. He was rolling on the floor laughing. I like to think it was probably a big belly laugh. Can you blame him? He was 100 years old. And God just told him, you guys are going to be a new mom and dad. Then a little while later, Sarah finds out, and she has a similar reaction. Uh, Genesis chapter 18, verses 9 to 15. Anyone who says the Bible is boring, I just don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, Genesis 18, 9 to 15. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your, I'll just insert, 90-year-old wife shall have a son. Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? You can't hide anything from God, can you? Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? I love God's answer here. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. It's going to happen. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, (laughs) for she was afraid. But God called her, and I said, no, you did. You did laugh. And then in Genesis 21.1, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, God's faithful, isn't he? He did what he said he would do. The Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. I was talking with a 
um, we're kind of talking about this a little bit in our network office staff meeting. I did devotions on this topic. And Terry Hole was, was sharing a little bit. He grew up in the Midwest and around farming. And he, was, he, he gave an example that I thought was really powerful to me. He talked about how, you know, when you're plowing a field, it's really hard work to plow a field. And then you plant the seed and you cover the seed up with dirt. And there's a period of time when there's some, the seed is growing, but you can't see what's happening. You, don't, you can't see. All you see is just flat dirt. Then after a while, the, the sprout pops up. And it's the same way in our lives oftentimes. We don't know, we can't see that God's moving. But just because we can't see that God's moving doesn't mean he's not moving. And doesn't mean that God's not being faithful. I wonder how often Abraham and Sarah discussed the promise and the covenant as they were laying there in bed talking. Like, is this going to be the year? I know God said it was going to happen, but maybe he was meeting as some kind of great metaphor and, you know, trying to explain it away or trying to figure out why, why hasn't God's promise come true. And you might find yourself having those same conversations. God promised this a long time ago. God, you promised that my, my son was going to come back to you. Why hasn't it happened? And it's just like it's under the soil. We don't know exactly what's happening. But I can tell you that God will be faithful. He, do, he will do what he said he will do. And even, though, even when we can't see it happening. Um, you know, God's faithful even through our hard times. When I say the scripture in, in Psalm, everything is always going to be rosy. Um, there's a scripture in, in Psalms 46. Verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Aren't you thankful for that? He's not like a past help in times of trouble. He's not a maybe he'll be there, maybe he won't. He's a very present help in times of trouble. So whatever it is you're walking through, maybe it's, maybe your, your, your body's getting older and you're dealing with health issues. Maybe it's uh, a relationship issue, whatever the case may be, I want you to know that even in the midst of your hard time, God's faithful. And he's walking through it with you. And his nature is faithful. He can't help but be faithful. God has been so faithful to my family and I. Um, I could just sit here and talk for a long time about how faithful God's been to my family and I look at what God's doing through our kids and our extended family. I'm just so thankful and for, for what God is doing. I, I mentioned before that we were talking about this at our, our staff meeting, and, and I actually had everyone go around the room and share things that um, I, I asked them the question, how has God been faithful in your life? And I'm not going to um, tell you what all the answers were, but I can tell you that I was just very touched deeply to hear everyone's story about how God had been faithful to them in so many different circumstances through their lives. Stories of God's miraculous provision. Stories of God protecting them in certain situations. And it just left my faith being very built up. Now, I wish I could just go around the room right now, and I wish each of you could tell your story of how God's been faithful. But Brian told me my time allotment was only three hours, so I can't do that. Is that right? Yeah? Okay. But I do want to encourage you to do this. I want you to think about the ways that God's been faithful to you. The scripture, or not of the scripture, our, we have a song that says, count your blessings, name them one by one. 
I want you to think about how has God been faithful to you. I want you to dwell on that. I'm giving you a homework assignment. I'm the teacher, so it's totally legal I can do that. I want you to think about how God's been faithful to you. But, but I don't want you to stop there. I want you to tell somebody. Tell your family. Tell your friends. Share it with someone, the ways that God's been faithful to you. I think we'll be surprised when we realize just how faithful God's been to us. So I want to move on um, to talk for just a few minutes about how we can reflect God's faithfulness in our lives. First of all, we need to live in the Word. We need to live in the Word. Our faith is built as we learn more of God's faithfulness. There are some things that we, we read that don't really build our faith. I like to read social media because I like to be connected with people and see what's happening in people's lives. But you know what? It doesn't always build my faith when I read my Facebook feed. You guys with me sometimes? Or Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is. They're not bad things, but just they don't always build my faith. Like when I, when I watch the news on TV, it's, I do that because I like to know what's happening in the world, and I think that's a good thing to do. But it doesn't always build my faith. But when I read this, this builds my faith. Amen? This tells me of God's faithfulness. I can read about Abraham and Sarah. I can say, if God was faithful to Abraham, he'll be faithful to me. So live in this word. Make it a priority to read it every day. Secondly, is to keep in step with the work of the Spirit in your life. Galatians 5, verses 22 to 25 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. There we go. There's our word. Gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. A Spirit-led, Spirit-controlled life will produce faithfulness. As we yield to the Lord, as we crucify our flesh, we're shaped more and more into the image of Jesus. And that fruit of faithfulness is going to yield in our lives. I wish I could tell you that you could just be walking along and the spirit of faithfulness is going to come upon you. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Or maybe the spirit of patience. Wow, what was that? Oh, that, that was the spirit of patience. It just came upon me. That's not generally how it works. I'm not saying that God can't do that, but generally it's as we yield to the working of the Holy Spirit in our life. It's a partnership. That work is, that fruit comes out. And so if we're, if we're not being yielded to the Holy Spirit, we're probably not going to be faithful people. Thirdly, find some good examples. Find some good examples. I get, um, I get to be around a lot of faithful people. Um, there's a lot of faithful people in my life that I could point you to who have really had an impact on me. But if I really had to go back to the beginning, it would be my mom and dad or some of the most faithful people that I know. They've always been faithful to uh, their family by providing for our, our physical needs, being spiritual leaders, um, by being loving parents. And they've, also, they've always been faithful to their church. My mom and dad have been participating at Sitka Assembly of God down in Sitka since before I was born. I told you I'm 46, so let's say around 50 years or so. That's a long time. Seems like a long time to me. You know, as with any church, 
Um, the church has its ups and downs, good times, you know, times of struggle. But, you know, through the good times, through the times of struggle, mom and dad have always been faithful. You know, maybe times in the past, if the church went through a difficult time, maybe there's some people that left, not mom and dad. They stuck with it, and they were faithful to their church. And they were always supportive of the pastor. Now, if, if something needed to be through, my parents were always faithfully with their pastor about it, but they were always supportive of the pastor, and my parents were always faithful. Even continuing through today, they're always like the first ones to help in a potluck. Um, even like up to about five years ago, my dad was the, the, the guy to go shovel snow. So someone finally said, you know what, it's probably not good for a 75-year-old guy to be the one shoveling the snow on the sidewalk. But there's those kind of people, they're just faithful. I got to grow up seeing that my whole life. They've been faithful to the Lord. I have a a visual image of my dad sitting in his chair reading his Bible every single day. um, My dad was a commercial fisherman too, so I spent a lot of time with him out on the boat. And we'd have long mornings, getting up early, late at night. He always found time to read his word. Now as he's getting older, we tease him sometimes because we'll find him in his chair with the the Bible across his chest and he'll he'll be sleeping. (laughs) But he'll wake up and finish it. Um, I'm really thankful for the the examples that my mom and dad have set. And they both had faithful examples as well. My dad grew up in a pastor's home, and my, my mom grew up in a very strong um, family in the Covenant Church in Wisconsin, a farming family, really good, strong morals, very faithful people. Now, you may or may not have those types of examples in your family history. If you do, I encourage you to really cherish it, appreciate it. However, if you don't, this is what I want to encourage you to do. Two things. First of all, let it begin with you. Let your kids see you being faithful. Develop the pattern. Say, it doesn't matter what happened in my family in the past. From here on out, our family is going to serve the Lord faithfully. Amen? Amen. And that someday my kids are going to be able to tell stories. Yeah, I remember my dad was reading the Bible every day. I remember my dad was faithful to his church. Create those memories for your kids your, or your spiritual kids to be able to follow. The second thing I would advise you to do is to find people who are faithful and rub shoulders with them. Even if, you're, if, if your mom and dad didn't, didn't leave that kind of example, there's lots of people here who are, are very faithful. This is a very strong church. There's very many strong believers here, people that have been faithful for years and years and years. Get around them. Kind of learn about how that faith, what that faithfulness looks like. You know, tell them what your heart is. Um, Pastor Kent and Paula have been faithful for so many years here. They're great examples they've set for the church. And there's so many others. The last thing is uh, to value consistency. Put a value on it. So Super Bowl is coming up uh, this next week. My team is not in the Super Bowl this year. I know, it's hard to believe. But two of my favorite football players are Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner. They're both on the Seahawks. They were drafted in 2012, same year. I heard that. And, uh, and they've been with the, the Seahawks ever since then. And you might be asking, why are you telling the story about the Seahawks? One, because I like to talk about the Seahawks. I'm just teasing. But, but, but really... Um, um, they have a saying they say to each other. They say, um, they say, don't get bored with consistency. 
you know, making the tackles day in, day out, making the good throws day in, day out. Some players might just have a flashy season and, and everyone's talking about it, but really it's the ones that, are, that just do their job season after season. Don't get bored with consistency. At your job, don't get bored with just being a good worker that's consistent, showing up on time and doing your work every day. Don't get bored being consistent with church, showing up, you know, all the times that the, the services are and, and being faithful to, to serve in ministry. Don't get bored with the consistency because God values faithfulness. Amen? So as we uh, start to bring it to a close, we've talked about how we can reflect God's faithfulness. But as I was uh, praying and getting ready for this morning, I really believe that that God wants us to know that he is faithful. I believe that we need encouragement to know that even if you can't see God working, that he is still being faithful. Just like that seed that might just be still growing under the, under the soil, God's still at work. If you're going through a hard time, whatever the case may be, I want you to know that God is going to be faithful to you even through that hard time. And not to be disheartened, not to be discouraged, but God is with you. I'd like to uh, just read a couple more scriptures before we close. Psalms 100, verse 5 says, For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Does all mean all? It does, doesn't it? I didn't go look at the original language on that, but I'm pretty sure all means all. So God's going to be faithful to all, to all generations. That includes us. Secondly, James 1.17 says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Some translations say there's no shifting shadows. God's not going to change. Just like he was faithful to Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob and Noah and Paul and Peter and all the different people we read about here, just as he was faithful to my, my grandparents, he was faithful to my parents He's going to be faithful to me, and he's going to be faithful to my kids, and he's going to be faithful to you. You can count on it. You can take it to the bank. We can trust him because he is trustworthy. We can rely on him because he is reliable, and we can have faith in him because he is faithful. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we praise you and thank you today for your faithfulness. God, that you don't change. We don't have to worry about you making a promise and then not keeping it. We don't have to worry about you, you giving us a check and it bouncing at the bank. And that you are faithful to that promise, Lord. We know that the things that you have said are true. And that you are faithful to us. Lord, I pray for those that, that are here today watching on the internet. They can't see what's happening, Lord. They can't see any change happening. They can't see the change happening, Lord, but we know that you're faithful. I pray you bring encouragement to those. I pray you bring encouragement to those that are going through hard times. Lord, we know that you're a very present help in times of trouble. I pray your presence would be very near to them today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.